All right, well, if you got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And just before, I'll just wait till you all sit down and then I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And we're going to read this together, okay? So would you, would you jump up on your feet? We're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 14. It says this. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs, pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced, and my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that both he died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel know therefore for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord, call, the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness 
and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I love that. That's amazing. 3,000 souls. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, God, that um, we can come and just spend time with you, Lord. We just take that position of, of this, Lord. We want to sit at your feet. We want to be taught of you, Jesus. We want to hear who you are, Lord. We want to uh, recognize who we are in light of who you are. Yeah. And so, God, we come to your word humbly this morning, just thankful for the word of God, asking, Lord, that you'd speak to us, knowing that your word, the written word, leads us to the living word. And so we pray that that would happen this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Called this message, This Jesus. Great text, Acts chapter 2, background of the text a little bit so we just recall and get our bearings is that Pentecost, where this happens, Acts chapter 2, follows Passover by 50 days. So this is 40 days actually since Jesus had ascended into heaven. We know this, so Passover happens, Jesus is raised from the dead, he spends 10 days appearing and showing himself and spending time with his Apostles appearing, you know, First uh, Corinthians tells us that he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. He went up to the Galilee and met the 12 up there. They went back to Jerusalem and 10 days passes and Jesus ascends into heaven. And now we're 40 days after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And, and, and Jesus had instructed the disciples that they were to wait in, in Jerusalem until they had received the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we know what Acts chapter 2 tells us. It's this great part of the text that we didn't read that as they were there uh, seeking the Lord in prayer in the temple, uh, divided tongues of fire came in. They heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind. There was no wind, but they heard the sound of a wind. And then they saw with their eyes divided tongues of fire that came to rest above the heads of each one of uh, the 120 that were there. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And as they were speaking in tongues, because it was another major festival falling Passover, um, Pentecost, there were in Jerusalem many thousands of devout worshipers and followers, of God-seekers, God-fearers, and they were hearing the 120 praying and worshiping and speaking in tongues and the scripture tells us that, that they were bewildered because they were hearing their native languages back from the countries where they were. And there was amazement as they heard this as, because they, they were astonished because they heard these disciples of Jesus praising God and speaking of his glory in their native tongues and languages. And so in amazement and perplexity, they asked, what does this mean? But some in the crowd who observed what was going on began to mock what was happening. And they said, well, they're filled with new wine. You know, mocking and saying, well, I guess they're, they're drunk. And so Peter, whom we know so well from the gospel accounts, this is the same Peter who um, pulled out his sword in the garden of Gethsemane and tried to kill a servant of the high priest. This is the same, the same Peter who that very night 
uh, crumbled on three different times when he was asked if he was a follower of Jesus, denying that he was such or that he even knew the man. He did that before a, a one lone servant girl, a little servant girl even questioned him and, and he, he crumbled. And, and this Peter, this same Peter who's, you know, 50 days earlier attempted murder and denied Jesus on three different occasions, stands before this crowd of thousands. He's a transformed man by the power of the Holy Spirit. And empowered and filled by the Spirit, he preaches the name of Jesus. I love it. Check out again verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words, he says. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. It's interesting to me that Peter calls Jesus, what? Jesus of Nazareth. That's kind of an interesting way that, that Peter identifies who he's speaking of. The Jesus that he's preaching. This is Jesus of Nazareth I'm speaking of. Like, as opposed to, you know, the many other Jewish men who share the name Jesus. Like Yeshua, Joshua, that's the name. And, and you know, like I think if you could just do a Google search, most popular names in the year zero in Israel for baby boys, what's the most common name? I think that you would find the name Yeshua, Joshua, right at the top of the list. That would be number one. And this was the name the angel Gabriel had instructed Joseph to name the, the baby boy when he was born. He said, you shall name, you shall call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. But Jesus was a super common name. And the thing that made our Jesus unique was this, is that he was from Nazareth. That he was from Nazareth. Being, being from Nazareth made, was the factor that made our Jesus distinct. When Philip began following Jesus and he went and he found Nathanael, you know the story. He went to Nathanael and he said to him, we've found the one who Moses spoke of, who was spoken of the, in the law and who the prophets prophesied, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael said what? He said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And Philip said, well, come and see. See, the name, the title, Jesus of Nazareth, is a name for our Lord that highlights his humanity. The fact that he was a man. At his baptism, Mark tells us that Jesus came from Nazareth and he was baptized in the Galilee of the Jordan. When Jesus taught in the synagogue in Capernaum, a man with an unclean spirit cried out and said, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? When Jesus was passing through Jericho, the gospels tell us that he was... Uh, uh, blind Bartimaeus heard that he was coming and he, he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. And so he cried out uh, uh, to him to be healed. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, a servant girl identified Peter and she said about him, this man has been with Jesus of Nazareth. And Peter said, I, I don't know the man. I don't know what you're talking about. At his crucifixion, Pilate wrote an inscription and he placed it on the cross and it said this, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. 
When the women came on the day that Jesus had been raised, th three days after his crucifixion, when he had been raised from the dead, and they came to the empty tomb that Sunday morning, the morning of the resurrection, they peered into the tomb, and in the tomb there was an angel, and the angel said to them, do not be alarmed, you're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified, and he is risen, and he is not here. After that, the, the Gospels tell us that on the road to Emmaus, there was two disciples walking and they were discussing the things that had happened during Passover. And when Jesus drew near to them and he began to walk with them and they didn't recognize him, they were kept from recognizing him. And when, when um, he asked them what they were discussing, they said to him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Of Nazareth. And they said, we had hoped. We hoped in Jesus of Nazareth. Have you heard the things that have happened to him? And here on the day of Pentecost, Peter had recently crumbled at the words of a little servant girl, but now filled with the Holy Spirit, stood before this crowd of thousands, and he said, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him. Jesus of Nazareth. So Peter says, he says, let's start here. Let's define who I'm talking about. Let's define who has poured out the Holy Spirit here. Let's define who our Savior is. And Peter says, he was a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him. We've been, we've been going through the Gospel of John most Sunday mornings here, and we've been seeing the signs and the wonders that Jesus performed. You know the very first one he did? What did he do in the very first one? He changed water into wine. It's the first miracle Jesus performed. Instantaneously, Changed water into wine. That, that, that doesn't happen quickly. We know that. The process of growing grapes and harvesting and the whole process of making and wine starts early in the year and goes right through the year and then you, you let that age and it goes through this entire process. But Jesus turned water into wine in an instant. When the master of the feast tasted it, he, he said this, he said, everyone... Serves the best wine first, and then when the guests have had too much to drink, out comes the cheap stuff. But you save the best for last. Because that's what Jesus does. He saves the best for last. The quality of what he, speaks of the quality of what he's made. It's a, a sign, as we've seen in the Gospel of John, that Jesus is the master over quality. He's good. He makes the best of the best. Or he healed the official son. The official came to Jesus in Cana and he said, my, my son is homesick. He's 25 kilometers from here in the city of Capernaum. Would you come with me to Capernaum and heal my son, Jesus? And Jesus told the man, go. Go your way. Your, your son is healed. And the man believed God and the boy was healed. And as he was traveling home, the scriptures tell us he was most of the way there when his servants came to meet him and they told him that the boy was well. And when they compared their stories, they discovered it was right at the hour Jesus had given the word. A sign as we've seen that, that there's no obstacle 
or distance that's too great for Jesus. He's the master over that stuff. Distance, space, time. We're in Jerusalem at the pools of Bethesda. As we saw in John chapter 5. Jesus healed a man instantly who had been subject to his disease for 38 years. A sign telling us that, that history is no obstacle for Jesus. He's the master over, over time and he's the master over history. Or John chapter 6, we've seen Jesus feed the 5,000. He took, took five loaves of bread and a few small fish, multiplied it to feed a crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children because there's no such thing as not enough with Jesus. There's nothing lacking in Jesus. Sign telling us he's the master over quantity, that there's no lack in his ability to provide in his resources. Nothing's impossible for him. Or how about Jesus walking on water? That's impossible. As far as the natural laws of this physical world are concerned and how they function, walking on water is impossible. But Jesus did it. A sign telling us that he's the master over natural Law, that the laws of nature bow their knee to Jesus. There was a man born blind in the Gospels and, and the story is clear that, that nothing this man had done nor his parents had done uh, were the cause of, of his blindness. He was just born that way. It just, it just was. It was just, that's how it was. And it was unexplainable and it was a misfortune and it seemed unjust and all of those things but Jesus healed him because Jesus can take that which we can't explain he can take our misfortunes and turn it around for the glory of God and Jesus did that miracle and it was a sign telling us that Jesus is the master over even what we would call unexplainable misfortunes problems where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus in the tomb for four days. His body was well into the process of decomposing, rotting. They said, don't open that tomb. There's going to be a smell in there. Decay has set in. Decom decomposition is happening in that lifeless flesh. And yet with a word, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. A sign telling us that he is the master over death. And Peter speaks of the signs that Jesus did. He said, Jesus, Acts 2.22 there, he was a man attested to you by God with mighty works, wonders, and signs that God did through him. As we've seen so much in the gospel of John, John said this, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Now look at verse 23. It says, this Jesus, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So Peter says, this Jesus, in other words, not to be confused with any other. You ever been confused with, you know, someone you met or like had someone confuse you with someone else? We, we, were, uh, we were celebrating Jonas Grad couple weeks ago and we we were sitting in a restaurant with our family and we just had dinner and we were hanging out and visiting and this lady comes up to our table and she says to my wife Lisa Katie 
It's so good to see you. Where are you? Where, have you, where are you living these days? How are you? And, and, and this blank look came over my wife's face. And the woman continued on and on and on. And then I think my mom spoke up and said, I, I think you've got the wrong person. And then we figured out what was going on. Man, to be confused. Look at, Peter says this. Let's not be confused about who we're talking about. Let's not be confused. This Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by signs, wonders, and miracles, this happened to him. He was delivered up. He was handed over. No one took Jesus' life. Jesus surrendered his will to the will of the Father, and he yielded his life as a ransom to be. As the old hymn goes. And Peter says it was according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. God foretold that this would happen. Foretold by the mouths of the prophets that Christ would suffer and that Jesus would fulfill that. And he was crucified and killed. He was nailed to that tree. A soldier took a sword and he pierced it through the side of Jesus. And the scripture tells us that when, sorry, a spear. And when that spear pierced through his side, blood and water flowed. He was killed on that tree. No mistake. Crucified and killed. But look at verse 32. Partway through verse, or right at the start of verse 32, Peter says this. This Jesus... This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Peter says, this Jesus. This Jesus. Not to be confused with any other. This Jesus is not vague. This is not blurry. This is not confusing. This Jesus, we're not jumbled up about who he is. It's not, no, he's not jumbled up. He's been raised up. This Jesus. You know, when Jonah was born, uh, Lisa said, I'm going to grow his hair long. I want a boy with like cool surfer hair. And so I, some of you will remember that Jonah, had, he used to have long hair. And we all, he had it in this you know, the surfer cut that mom would always make sure he got. And he kind of looked like this surfer, skater, SoCal kid. Now he's going down to SoCal for Bible school. But you know what? Sometimes people thought we had a little girl. <laughs> they were confused. You can laugh. We would. We'd say, no, no. You know, my grandpa, my grandpa was old. He was in, the, in his 90s. And he'd always say, oh, how's your little girl? I said, grandpa, no. He's a boy. He's got long hair. You know, we've like grown it like that on purpose. It's cool. And, uh, and, and they would refer to him that way because they were confused. But Peter says, we're not confused about the Jesus we preach. This Jesus, this Jesus was raised up and God raised him up and he loosed the pangs of death because it was impossible for, death, for him to be held by death. Sinless, perfect, Jesus in his body on that tree bore our sins. And though he was crucified and killed and buried in that tomb, this Jesus was raised up because it was not possible for him to be held by death. And Peter says, 
We all are witnesses of this. We witnessed it. If Thomas would have stood up, he, he, he would have said, you know, I said, unless I put my finger in those nail holes, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And we know the story that while Peter and the, the 11 were there locked up in a room in fear of the Jews, Jesus appeared in their midst and he spoke to them. He said, peace be among you. And he said, Thomas, it's I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bone as you see I have. And when he showed him his hands and his feet, he touched them. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. The apostles were witnesses of his resurrection and they were witnesses of his exaltation. I just saw water drip right in front of me. Unless I was seeing things. Did somebody else see that? Okay, maybe not. It's okay, it's okay. we'll wait. Do you want to hear a story? About once or twice a year, we get a leak right here. Usually happens not on, it's never happened on a Sunday morning, so, okay. So, uh, yeah, it's raining, and things back up, apparently. The apostles were witnesses of his resurrection, and 40 days earlier, they, they were witnesses of his exaltation, exalted to the right hand of God, Peter says. On the Mount of Olives, they were standing there with Jesus, and in the in, in before the eyes of his apostles, while he was he, while this happened, he was just lifted up, and as he began to ascend into heaven, the, the clouds enveloped him until he couldn't be seen anymore. And they were just standing there looking into the sky, and two men appeared in their midst and said to them, Angels, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. This Jesus. And Peter says it's this Jesus who's poured out the Holy Spirit in the last days. And God, and in the last days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We saw in John chapter 7 that, that on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and in a loud voice, he declared this. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of him will flow rivers of living water. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who had believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. Peter says this. We saw this Jesus Ascend. He's been exalted to the right hand of the Father and now he has sent the Holy Spirit and he has been poured out upon us and we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he said this in verse 36. Look at verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. This Jesus. Oh, we're not to be confused. Let every question be answered, Peter says. Let every doubt be silenced. Let uncertainty about Jesus become certain. Let hesitation become confident. 
Let the one without assurance be assured. Let the one who's wavering be rock solid. Let indecision become decision. Know for certain this Jesus is Lord and he is Christ. He's Lord, Peter says. That title Lord was given to Jesus by the Father because the title Lord means this, that Jesus is the master that he, is the, that he possesses all things. That God has put all ownership into the, the hands of his son Jesus and he's given all power to him. Power belongs to this Jesus. Peter said this Jesus, he's the Christ. He's the long-awaited one that was prophesied. God's anointed the Christ. That's what the Christ means, it means the anointed of God. He's God's choice. He's God's chosen instrument. He's God's choice to be master. He's God's choice to be Lord. He's Lord and Christ. And then Peter says this, and at the name of Jesus Christ, everyone should repent and be baptized. Look at verse 39, or actually 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Isn't that a great term? Cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amazing that Peter here as he preaches this, he says, you repent in the name of Jesus Christ. You repent, not in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, you repent in Jesus, God's chosen instrument. Acknowledge that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, that he is the master for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, repentance, we know that, that word, but let me remind you, the word repentance means this, you turn 180 degrees. You're going to go from going in this direction against Jesus and you're going to turn your life and you're going to go with Jesus. It's not repenting and turning around and going right back in the same direction you were going. Repentance is a change of life direction. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to follow where you lead. And the result will be this. Your sins will be forgiven. And the promise of Scripture is that you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the Scripture tells us that those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's amazing. Don't we wish that could happen? Like 3,000 souls added in a day. And then verse 42 tells us this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day 
those who were being saved. I love verse 42. You know, we look at this and we say, you know, as a pastor, I'm like, I'm always looking for these features in our church. I want to see these things. Devotion to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. Prayer. And when we speak about the early church, when we look at the life of early church, Everything that they did, when we talk about the apostles' teaching and prayer and the breaking of bread and fellowship, water baptism and repentance, it all flowed out of their identification with this Jesus. This Jesus. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching because they wanted to learn about this Jesus. They were devoted to fellowship because they wanted to be around others who were following this Jesus. The breaking of bread to remember the sacrifice of this Jesus. Devoted to prayer because they realized the value of tapping into the power of this Jesus. They repented of sin because they wanted nothing to separate them from the presence of Of this Jesus. They entered the waters of baptism. Because they wanted to publicly identify their lives and themselves. With this Jesus. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Because they wanted the power of this Jesus in their lives. And the Holy Spirit empowered them to be witnesses. For this Jesus. This Jesus. And this is. Our message, this Jesus. This is what we're all about. Every Sunday, everything we do, VBS, you name it, prayer tonight, it's about this Jesus. We want to walk with this Jesus because God has made him Lord and Christ. He's the master over all things. And as his followers and as his church, we bow our knee to him. And we follow him. That's the message of the church. This Jesus. Amen. Worship team, would you come join me up here? We're going to, we get to come to the Lord's table this morning to partake in communion. And as we do that, we're remembering these very things about this Jesus. That he was delivered up. That he was raised up. And that God has made him both Lord and Christ. When we come to the Lord's table, that's where we, we, we break the bread, we partake in the cup. We're remembering this Jesus. We're remembering that he was delivered up, that he gave up his life, that his, his body was broken, that his blood was shed, that he gave his life on the cross for the sins of mankind. And we're remembering this, that God, that God raised him up, that he was raised to life because He had offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for the sin of mankind. And God raised him up to prove the reality of the transaction that happened on the cross that the sins of mankind had been paid for by this Jesus. And so this morning we we get to come to the table and just say, Lord, I want to take this time to remember you, Jesus, to remember, to receive with a glad heart, with a thankful heart, that you gave yourself for me, that you died in my place on that cross, that you bore my sins 
in your body on that tree. And, and so, you know, as we, we come, I always like to give this instruction. I just, this is a sacred moment for followers of Jesus when we, when we partake. And so I want to tell you this, that the scripture instructs this actually, that if you're a follower of Jesus, that, that we do this in remembrance of him. And so maybe, you know, you're new here, maybe you don't normally participate, or maybe you don't know Jesus, then, then I would just tell you this, that this is for followers of Jesus. And so not looking into, not wanting to look down on anybody or exclude people, but you need to know this. If you don't know Jesus, you should refrain this morning, okay? The scripture actually says this, that if you eat or participate in this in an unworthy manner, you eat and drink judgment on yourself. And so the scripture's clear. This is for followers of Jesus and those who don't follow Jesus should refrain from partaking. But I want to give you one more option and it's this. If you want to follow Jesus, this Jesus who gave his life on the cross for your sins, this Jesus who was delivered up, tested to by signs, wonders, and miracles that he was the son of God, delivered up to that cross, killed, crucified, buried in that tomb and raised to life. This Jesus was delivered up and he is Lord in Christ. And if you want to repent this morning and just say, Jesus, I'm making a decision to turn from my self-centered life to a Christ-centered life to follow you. I repent of my sin, Jesus. I invite you, come and be Lord. Come and be the Christ. Come and be Christ in my life. Come and be Lord of my life. Then if you'll pray that prayer, here's what I'd ask you to do. In faith, just come and participate with us, okay? Come to the Lord's table with us. And so uh, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And Lord, as we stand here this morning, we just thank you for the work of the cross, Lord. We come to the table in awe of you, Lord, acknowledging that you are Jesus of Nazareth, that you are Lord Jesus, that you are Jesus Christ, delivered up, raised up. And Lord, this morning we set our hearts on you and we want to just remember you, partake of you, Lord. Remember the work of the cross. And so Lord, prepare our hearts for that, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So just as your heart's prepared and you feel ready, I encourage you to come to the table and receive the elements.